From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast one more time. First time here? Well, I hope you have some interest in cannabis because we're about to spend the next 30 or 40 minutes talking about a bunch of things cannabis. This episode? Do you understand, perhaps, maybe you do, maybe you don't, a lot of people don't seem to know the difference between THC and THCA. Well, the THCA came first, and you'll learn why and, and how that all works today. We're also going to talk about terp sauce. You're hearing a whole lot more about terp sauce now that there's more cannabis concentrates in the recreational market. Terp sauce, a delightful array of terpenes concentrates, will explain all of that. Plus, on Cultivar Corner today, we are going to feature rather an indulgent pre-roll. This is from Top Leaf, their Florida Caviar Cone, a mixture of some weed, some dry sift hash, and a little full-spectrum winterized oil all mixed in together in a delightful little treat. That's coming up on Cultivar Corner. Plus, we're going to flash back to a story back in the days when it wasn't in radio, but actually in the high-tech industry, when a bunch of us suddenly discovered we all smoked weed. All of that and more on episode 83 of the Cannabis Podcast. And we'll start with some shout-outs, as we like to do. And we are going back to episode 66, which was A Touch of Cannabis Wellness. And it had that title because in that episode, we had a feature interview with Therese Bowers, a cannabis wellness coach. Therese lives in Nelson, B.C., and she actually visited me in the store just this last week. Nice to see her. She is doing something new. She's added a new course. One of the things that came out of COVID is there, there was some government opportunity or, or rather opportunity for government support, I guess is the correct way to put it. And she got some of that. In fact, she thanks the, the what is it? Special thanks to the province of British Columbia through the Ministry of Jobs, Economic Recovery, and Innovation. And it was through that initiative that she was able to do this new course. It especially interests those who have some medical cannabis use or some interest and want to get down to actually figuring out how to properly dose. It's a new course called Cannabis Dosing, Getting Started with Medical Cannabis. And you can check that out at therese.ca. And also while she was in the store, she told me about another project that's going on. I've kind of heard about this before. And this is, I mean, mean, we're all familiar with Airbnb and sharing of the sharing economy, being at accommodations and such. And this is a new one called High B&B, your 420 friendly destination. A high B&B for Canadian and international tourists who are seeking cannabis-friendly accommodations and adventures. So there's two sides to it. There's the high B&B for guests, the high B&B for hosts. For the guests, how about cannabis integrated into your booking? Explore new legal cannabis products, curated cannabis experiences, and hassle-free for travelers. No one accommodates cannabis enthusiasts better than we do. You can check that out for yourself as well, highbnb.ca. It looks like it's still fairly much in the early stages. I couldn't find any actual locations available for rental here in Kelowna specifically. Maybe there are in some other areas, but that's a cool idea. I think it's because we need to support these ideas as they come up to really make this industry better and and more 
fitful for what we want to do with it. So it's a great idea, highbnb.ca. And uh, the again, Teresa's address for her website is Therese.ca. I also wanted to touch on something else that happened this last week, and that's when I got an email from Good Pods. If you haven't discovered Good Pods yet, it's an app where you can listen to podcasts. In fact, you can share a podcast community with everybody else on Good Pods. It's a great way to listen to the Cannabis Podcast if you're not already. And here's why I know that. Because they sent me an email this last week informing me that I was now on the top 100 performing arts charts on Good Pods. And in fact, I reached number four. And the other cool part of that was that I was above the person at number five, which was Seth Rogen's Storytime. And I thought that was pretty cool. So I took a picture of that screenshot, used that on my social media over the last week to celebrate the fact that, hey, we're number four on the top 100 performing arts charts on Good Pods. If you haven't checked out Good Pods, do so. A really cool way for you to listen to all of your various podcasts. And then later in the week, they featured uh, another friend of mine, Marge, from the Bite Me podcast. She was featured as the podcast of the day which is very cool. So check it out, the Good Pods app. That may be where you want to listen to your podcast in the future. From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And my thanks once again to David Wiley and the staff at OkanaganZ.com. This one I could not resist talking about. Our public broadcaster in Canada has a history of doing some undercover investigations that reveal a bunch of things that people kind of wish they hadn't. That program is called Marketplace, and they just did an undercover investigation, and they found hundreds of illegal CBD products available. And this is a story from OkanaganSea.com. A new undercover investigation by the CBC's Marketplace found hundreds of illegal CBD products are available in the black market. Further, those selling such products are making exaggerated and illegal health claims. The investigation aired on CBC TV and CBC GEM. In Canada, all products containing CBD are regulated the same as those containing THC. Producers who make them must be licensed by Health Canada, and the stores that sell them require a provincial license. Making medical and health claims is forbidden under the Cannabis Act. Going undercover, we found products are easily available and salespeople are willing to make extravagant and illicit health claims, says a CBC story about its crew's investigation. One unlicensed dealer claimed a CBD-infused balm would 100% help with back pain, and in 15 minutes it will feel like relief, according to the CBC. Another told an undercover reporter, it's kind of like a superpower almost. <laughs> I can't believe that they're actually getting away with this. The story says the CBC's own lawyers advised that reporters could not legally have the illicit products tested because it would be breaking the law. In the U.S., CBD is treated differently than THC, and unregulated products are sold all over the place, including gas stations. For its investigation, Marketplace says it visited two unlicensed stores specializing in CBD in downtown Toronto. The team also viewed dozens of illicit websites selling illegal CBD. A simple Google search yields lots of results for buying illicit CBD products online. There are also forums dedicated to the best mail-order marijuana sites. In B.C., there are at least 30 unlicensed stores openly operating. As for the quality of product they're selling, the province said in June that a study by the BC Cannabis Secretariat found 90% of dry cannabis samples seized from six illicit stores in the Lower Mainland were tainted with pesticides and other harmful material. Mike Farnworth, BC's Public Safety Minister and Solicitor General, told a news conference at the time that all but two of the 20 samples seized also contained unacceptable levels of bacteria, 
fungi or heavy metals. Well, there you go. CBD apparently being sold willy-nilly all across the country, uh, available across the black market and not necessarily going through the same rigorous standards as everything else in the country. It looks like you may best be a little bit cautious if you're buying your CBD at some bizarre place. Uh, I've put a link to the story itself, and you can check the whole story out on at Marketplace with the CBC. Uh, really interesting, and I guess not at all surprising. We are heading to weedmaps.com for the next story, and this is, I think, of interest to everybody, especially those who aren't quite sure what the difference is between THC and THCA. You've probably heard both of them mentioned because both of them are quite relevant to cannabis. What's the difference? Well, contrary to what some slapstick comedies would have you believe, eating raw weed is not going to get you high. No matter how much potential resides within raw, freshly harvested cannabis, there's practically none of the plant's most famous and intoxicating cannabinoid, Delta-9 tetrahydrocannabinol, THC. There is, however, a wealth of tetrahydrocannabinolic acid, THCA, an inactive compound found in the trichomes of living cannabis plants. THCA has been closely compared to THC, but these days most describe THCA as the precursor to THC. While it's easy to get the two confused, it's important to know they produce very different effects when consumed. If you're looking to understand why we get high on THC and not THCA, how cannabinoid acids convert into cannabinoids, and why some consider raw cannabis a superfood, welcome. There's a lot to unpack here. Why does THC get us elevated and THCA doesn't? The reason is due to the shape of the THCA molecule. It's a larger molecule that doesn't fit into certain cannabinoid receptors, specifically the CB1 receptor. You can find CB1 receptors primarily in the brain, central nervous system, lungs, liver, and kidneys. In order to have an intoxicating effect, a cannabinoid must fit into a CB1 receptor. The cannabis plant produces hundreds of cannabinoids, the chemical compounds responsible for the potential therapeutic and psychoactive effects of cannabis. Only a few cannabinoids contribute to the euphoric high that is unique to the cannabis plant, though. The most celebrated, researched, and sought after is THC. It's commonly assumed that as marijuana plant grows, it is ramping up THC levels until ripe for the picking, but the primary cannabinoid being produced is actually THCA. So how does THCA become THC? The simplified answer is through heat and light, or the process of decarboxylation. Heat removes a carbolic acid group from THCA, altering the THC chemical structure. This makes it the perfect shape to fit into our endocannabinoid system and the CB1 receptors that run throughout our central nervous systems, allowing for that classic elevated experience. Though THCA doesn't have intoxicating effects, some consider fresh, raw, unheated cannabis a superfood. You may have heard of juicing cannabis or adding raw cannabis to smoothies for health enhancement. There's a good reason for that. Much like avocados, kale, Greek yogurt, green tea, and garlic, raw cannabis has the potential to ease arthritis, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, and other ailments. THCA is believed to offer an assortment of medicinal benefits and is commonly used as a nutritional supplement and a dietary enhancement for the following properties. Anti-inflammatory, neuroprotective, anti-emetic, anti-obesity. THCA isn't the only cannabinoid acid. Most cannabinoids, including cannabidiol, CBD, cannabigerol, CBG, 
and tetrahydrocannabivarin, THCV, are in the acidic form, CBDA, CBGA, and THCVA, when cannabis is harvested. The unactivated forms of THC and CBD, along with other cannabinoids, have potential benefits that are still being discovered. And just like THCA, these cannabinoid acids are unactivated until they go through the decarboxylation process and become capable of interacting with the human endocannabinoid system. Even though the most common decarboxylation process involves toasting cannabis in the oven to convert THCA into THC, there are many ways weed can be decarboxylated or decarbed. Sunlight conversion. THCA converts to THC in varying degrees through exposure to heat or light. If a cannabis plant sits in the warm sun for an extended period of time, it is THCA molecules will slowly convert to THC. Room temperature conversion. THCA also converts to THC when stored at room temperature for a long enough time. When submerged in olive oil, 22% of THCA will convert over the course of 10 days at 77 degrees Fahrenheit or 25 degrees Celsius. Under the same conditions, 67% will convert when submerged in ethanol. Over time, cannabis stored at room temperature with a little light exposure will convert 20% of its THCA into THC. The bottom line, THCA is unstable and can convert to THC over time with little intervention. And there's a whole bunch more in the article, but the, the piece that we just talked about brings me to one thing I wanted to talk about, and I'm going to finish the article with this. It talks about the fact that there is THCA that has already been decarboxylated and in fact, you get a notice of that on every single package of cannabis. There's two values for THC on your cannabis packaging, and I have two in front of me. One is uh, some Johnny Chronic Acapulco Gold, which I just picked up. And the first value for THC on this is a 2.2 milligrams per gram. Now, people always look at that and say, is that the, is that the, it's only 2%? No, no, no. That has been decarboxylated through light, through exposure over the course of time while that cannabis was being processed and packaged. The other value, in this case, 233 milligrams per gram, that's the percentage, which would be 23.3%. So now you know. Every time you pick up a package of cannabis, look at that first value. Here's the Organic Craft Platinum Grapes, which may be coming up on a cultivar corner soon. The first value of THC is 3.8% milligrams. So if you ate it and you got off on 3.8 milligrams, you could get a buzz from eating an eighth of cannabis, but it's probably more useful to get to the full extent, which is 276 or 27.6% THC if you decarboxylate it properly. Well, now you know. The next time somebody says to you, what's the difference between THC and THCA? You know the answer. THC, CBD, terpene profiles, what's in me? Oh, please explain to me. Cultivar Corner, Cultivar Corner, oh yeah. Cultivar Corner, please explain this stuff to me. We're always trying to keep up with the latest innovations in the Canadian cannabis market. And on Cultivar Corner today, we are touching on one of the newest entries to the recreational cannabis market, and that is a caviar cone. Was it caviar cone, you may ask? <laughs> well, you were about to find out. Consider it a celebratory indulgence. And I have said caviar cone in front of me. It's a half gram from Top Leaf. And what is this caviar cone? Well, how about a mix of full-spectrum winterized oil, some dry sift hash, and some dried flour? 
put it all together in a nice little half-gram package, put four of them in a container, and you have Top Leaf Caviar Cones Forbidden Lemon. Full-spectrum winterized oil, dry sift hash, and dried flour. In the words of the Top Leaf team, there's an art to producing caviar. With maxed-out terpenes and blending of strains, the maker is playing the role of chef, creating a specific recipe for either flavor or effect or both. What happens when you wrap a strong diesel in something dark and dank? How does a buzzy sativa feel when it's soaked in a heavy indica? Curious minds need to know. And caviar cones provide the answers. So, let's dive into the details of the caviar cones. So, Forbido's flower is an indica-dominant strain, THC levels of 20 to 26%. It has a citrus aroma and flavor profile, complements the dry sift hash and Florida lemon full-spectrum oil. The flower is grown in small batches, hand-manicured and expertly cured to ensure a smooth smoke and exceptional flavor profiles. Mix that with Blue Dream and Lemon Haze Dry Sift Hash, a proprietary blend of Lemon Haze and Blue Dream strains. Add in some winterized full-spectrum Florida lemon oil. Winterization is the process of using cold ethanol to extract cannabinoids from the plant matter, which helps preserve the terpenes in the extraction process. This results in a full-spectrum oil that has a true-to-flower taste and aroma, and the natural terpenes remain in the final product. The benefit of using full-spectrum oil is the entourage effect which is the powerful phenomenon that states that cannabinoids work synergistically in the presence of a variety of other cannabinoids and terpenes. The effects and benefits complementing each other for a more harmonious experience. Here's the terpene profile for caviar cones. The dominant terpenes caryophylline, linalool, bisabolo, humulene, and neurolidol. The aroma is citrusy and floral from the neurolidol, bisabol, and linalool, with hints of spice thanks to the caryophylline and humulene. The effects? Well, with a blend of sativa and indica cultivars, this hybrid is perfect for social situations and is meant to be shared. Well, except in today's world, <laughs> there's probably not a lot of sharing going on of a single joint. So this will be the same circumstance. I'm not sharing this with anybody. I'm going to take the full effect into my body. The blend is uplifting yet relaxing. The bright flavor profile plays into the experience, and the papers used are specifically used to ensure a slow and controlled burn allowing the caviar cones to be truly savored with each pull. For the connoisseur among us, who's looking for an extraordinary cannabis experience, unlike anything you might have experienced so far, this could be it. And I know I can't wait any longer. I've been looking at this little half-gram caviar cone ever since I got home from work, and I've just been dying to light it, but I've been holding off, waiting until the time is right, and we can give this caviar cone a true test. Now, we haven't talked about the THC percentage, this is sitting at 36% THC. That's the other reason you want to consider a caviar cone. It's nicely rolled, nice and functional, just a just a, a thin little a twist on the end. I've seen some pre-rolls where the twist is like an inch and a half long. <laughs> okay, I exaggerate, but sometimes they're really long. This one's really nice and tight. Let's give it a run. The Top Leaf Caviar Cone. Now, I'm hoping that it lights well, and it has so far. And how do all those different components mix into a taste profile? I'm not picking up a lot of taste in the joint. I'm trying to pick out some of those notes of the Blue Dream Dry Sift. Or the 
Florida lemon oil, full spectrum, or the Forbido's flower. Not picking up a lot of citrus notes. It's smooth. It is smoking well. It is a slow burn. I'm rather impressed with that. I've had, what, two or three good hits so far? And at 30% THC, I would be expecting this to sneak up on me any moment. Hmm. Okay, that was a bit of a hit. Again, <coughs> I have to wonder whether or not my taste buds have been burned out over all the years of smoking that I can't pick up all these flavor profiles that people are always talking about. Okay, it's coming on now. And because we got some sativa and indica mixed in here, oh, oh that was a nice little rush. Okay, now, I'm probably only maybe a quarter, quarter of an inch down in the burn so far. Nice white ash. Oh, but you can see the, you can see the, the sift burning away. <laughs> That's sad to see. Mm. Yeah, and I can see the I can again I can see the oil kind of burning away as it just sits there. <coughs> it's making me remember that I am smoking cannabis. <sighs> and I think it arrived. Just jumped on board the high train. I don't know, maybe it's a a result of the fact that I have been smoking cannabis for as long as I have. I have a fairly high tolerance, as we've spoken about many times on the cannabis podcast. And because of what I'm feeling right now, I'll be honest. I've been thinking lately that it might be time for a tolerance break. Because if I got a caviar cone that's sitting at 36% THC, and I've consumed about half the joint now, I should be ripped. <laughs> I should be really ripped. But I'm not. Yeah, I got a buzz. It's a pleasant buzz, but it sure isn't hitting like it's 36% THC. Which again has had me thinking of late that maybe it is time for me to do a tolerance break. I may give that some more thought. That, in fact, may be an interesting experiment to carry on with the cannabis podcast, although it would be very unusual for me to do an episode of it and not smoke a joint before I start it or while I'm recording it. It could change the whole tenor of the show, actually. 
I have to give that some consideration as well. Okay, so it has given me a bit of a buzz. Obviously, I'm doing a bit of a rambling. Thoughts perhaps not as connected as, as one would hope that they should be. But is this the big hit that I was really hoping that it would be? Not so far, 10 minutes into the journey. Now I'm probably halfway through the joint. And I'm tempted to just put it out, let this sit for a bit, and see if it does a little creeping up on me. Because I don't want to smoke the whole thing. And then don't feel like I got my the best bang for my money. I'm in a real dilemma. I kind of remember similar circumstances back when we checked um, the blunt that came from Black Market a number of episodes ago. Really, really hyped up. Didn't quite deliver what <laughs> the hype was promising. And I think you're going to have to be the one to determine whether or not the top leaf caviar cone delivers the hype that they are talking about and truly provides a celebratory indulgence for you. It's given me a high, but it has not given me a high that I would have expected with 36% THC and a mix of some flour, some dry sift hash, and some winterized full-spectrum oil. So am I disappointed? Yeah, I am a bit disappointed. And I haven't put the joint out yet. It looks like I'm going to go through the whole thing which I guess is a true test of whether or not it's going to give me the big bang. And it's still not coming on. I, to be perfectly honest, yes, I'm high. Got a teensy bit of happy eyes going on. I did have that one rush a, a few minutes ago that, that kind of hit me. Maybe I'm expecting too much. Maybe I'm expecting it to really hit much harder than it is. I don't know. I'm torn. Because as you know, if you've ever listened to any of the other episodes of the Cannabis Podcast, when weed hits me, it hits me. And, and, and I can feel it, and I, and I know I'm stoned. It sounded so inviting. It sounded so appealing. So, all right, I have continued to smoke the entire joint. Getting pretty damn close to the filter now. It has gotten better. It has gotten deeper. And I don't know, maybe maybe my whole perspective of, of the kind of high that I'm expecting out of this stuff is changing, maybe because I do have the tolerance that I do. But then again, I think back to, to something like Quirkle. That, that when I was doing that, every single time I opened up the bag, every single time I smoked some of that, it gave me a buzz. I'm not sure I can say the same thing about this. But I can say I tried it. I have reached the end. The joint is complete. It's given me a high, but not the high that I was expecting. The effect could be different from you. Let's remember that everybody's endocannabinoid system is unique. And while this didn't give me the hit that I was hoping for, who knows? Maybe the combination that's in this caviar cone will work for you. It's something new on the recreational market anyways. 
Now it's time for you to make your own opinion about Top Leaf Caviar Cones. Now, let's talk tasty. How about terp sauce? Cannabis is a growing industry with fans across all age groups, geographical locations, and cultures. With legalization sweeping the globe, the market for quality cannabis products and the demand for bigger and better ways to consume weed is expanding rapidly. Well, not too long ago, people were happy to just smoke some low THC flour. Those days are long gone. Now products like Terp Sauce, Moon Rocks, and cannabis-infused soda, to name only a few, are hitting the shelves almost as fast as they're flying off them. And this is a story from LeafBuyer.com. From gourmet edibles to unbelievably potent concentrates, new ways to consume weed are developing almost faster than the stoners can keep up. That's why LeafBuyer is here to give you the latest and greatest explanation on one of the most high-tech extraction methods to date, and more importantly, give you the inside scoop on the potent result. Terp sauce. What is terp sauce? Even with all the hype growing around terp sauce, it's completely understandable if you're still wondering exactly what it is and why people want it. Simply put, terp sauce is a potent cannabis extract which preserves the natural terpenes of the plant more than other methods of extraction. While many concentrates lose their terpenes in the process of becoming a concentrate, terp sauce does the opposite by celebrating the terpenes. For a deeper understanding of terp sauce, also just called sauce, you need a basic understanding of terpenes and their functioning cannabis. Terpenes, for the uninitiated, are naturally occurring plant compounds responsible for the flavors and aromas in cannabis. Terpenes occur outside of weed, too, in commonly known plants like conifers and lemons. Hence the piney and lemony notes you sometimes notice when smoking weed. Not only do terpenes make your weed taste and smell good, but they also contribute to your high as well. The influence terpenes have on a cannabis high is called the entourage effect, and you'll be surprised by just how much terpenes contribute to the weed game. It's more than just making a joint smell like lemons, it's the varying effects and how they present as well. When you feel cerebral versus sleepy or giggly versus introspective, the entourage effect of the terpenes interacting with the THC is partly responsible. Given the facts, it's clear why preserving terpenes in extracts is a good idea. Enter terp sauce the potent and delicious cannabis concentrate which celebrates terpenes instead of cancelling them out. The process of making terp sauce is very involved with multiple steps, crucial to the final result. The first steps are similar, if not identical, to making any of cannabis oil from live resin. To make terp sauce, one starts by freezing or refrigerating a live cannabis plant to preserve the integrity of the resin. Then the desirable cannabinoids and terpenes are removed through an extraction process which involves pressurized separation of plant matter and resin, most commonly done with butane, like butane hash oil or BHO. Only when one is essentially left with BHO does the process of making terp sauce truly begin. Instead of selling the cannabis oil as is, terp sauce is created by setting the oil aside in a cool, dark space to cure. This curing process gives the THCA in the live resin concentrate time to crystallize, as it naturally does, and separate the cannabinoids from the terpenes. In the process of curing and crystallization, the terpenes are pushed out into a liquidous and deliciously aromatic form, leaving behind cannabis diamonds of crystallized THCA. Terp sauce and cannabis diamonds are often sold together for a pretty penny, since the psychoactive ingredients are in the crystals and the flavor is in the sauce, and that's often sold as terps and caviar sauce. 
When the liquid terpenes are combined with the THCA crystals, the resulting concentrate is potent, highly flavorful, and chock-full of the best psychoactive products of the cannabis plant. So, in short, terp sauce is made by curing live resin concentrates and extracting the purest terpenes as they naturally ooze out of the crystallizing THCA. Whoever the mastermind behind the process is, they sure were a crazy cannabis genius. Who else would have thought to cure concentrates and dab the liquid oozing out after all? Now that you know what terp sauce is and how it's made, the only question left on your mind is probably how you can smoke the stuff. Well, lucky for all the cannabis oil enthusiasts out there, the process of learning how to smoke terp sauce is rather easy. All you need is a dab rig, some sauce, and the will to get yourself super baked. If it sounds easy, that's probably because it is. Since terp sauce is, in essence, just another cannabis concentrate, it makes sense to dab it like you would any other oil. The difference isn't in how you get this cannabis concentrate into your body. Rather, sauce is unique for its flavorful and aromatic delivery and its high impact on your weed high. Do be careful when trying your hand at terp sauce, even if you're a dabbing pro. With a terpene content almost doubled in this concentrate, the amplified entourage effect from terp sauce might just sweep you off your very feet. With the weed high that strong, it may sound fun now, it's always better to play it safe and start small. You can always hit the sauce later, but you can't take back the sauce you've already had. So no matter how good your turf sauce may taste, don't go crazy and consume it all at once. So there's a primer on turf sauce for you. If you have never tried it, it is absolutely delightful. We had the caviar from Premium 5, the caviar with diamonds and turf sauce, and that turf sauce was delicious dabbed a little bit of that myself, and I have to say, it was pretty darn tasty. From the cannabis-infused studio in the clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Oh, well, since you brought up the cannabis-infused, okay, now I think I'm ready to tell a story. And this isn't going back, like, billions and billions of years. <laughs> like most of my stories seem to be. I was kind of musing to myself about that, that it seemed that my cannabis retrieval for stories was limited to a, a period of, of time that was way back when, way before it was legalized. Well, this one is just before it was legalized. <laughs> and this one, in the case of most of the stories that I have told, I think up till now, if they've involved any kind of employment, it's been in radio and has probably left you with the impression that I did nothing but smoke a lot of dope when I was in radio. Not true. I, I did a whole lot of work in radio as well. I just happened to be high on cannabis while I did most of it. Well, this is a story not involving radio, a different industry. I spent some time in the high-tech world as well. This was a software company actually involved in healthcare, healthware, and they had a user's conference on an annual basis. This was some years ago, and this was probably maybe one or two years prior to legalization and happened in Toronto. That's where the user's conference was. I was based, of course, as you well know, if you listen to the podcast here in the Okanagan and went out to actually MC the user's conference. That was my main task for being there. And at the end of it, and well, I guess it was even over the course of it. So working for this software company that I had worked for for 15 years or so, and out of all the people that worked there, I only knew maybe maybe half a dozen who had some involvement with cannabis. Uh, one I smoked a heck of a lot with on a fairly regular basis 
One was a really good friend of mine, and he, his wife actually was a, more of a cannabis consumer than he was. So there were, that was the limited group that I knew within the organization that, that smoked cannabis. And the boss we had, I was pretty sure was dead set against anything to do with cannabis. So it's the one exception to my rule where I, although he never actually asked me, and that is my rule, that if I was ever asked if I smoke cannabis, I would always say, yes, I do. And I guess he never actually asked me. So that's why I didn't have to deal with it. I digress a little bit. This user's conference that we had had, it, it was a very successful one. There was a lot of people there. It happened over, I think, three days, two days and three nights in, in Toronto. And this was the final night. And it was during the course of those couple of days that I realized that I was not the only one who imbibed in cannabis. I soon came to learn that there were a number of people who I hadn't suspected, and I suspect others didn't have the same suspicion. So here we are. The conference is finished. We worked our asses off for three days, putting this thing on, making it a big success. And now here we are in the back alley behind a hotel in Toronto, downtown Toronto, and there's about 15 of us that are smoking a joint. And this was, again, back before legalization, back before anything to do with COVID, of course. Back in the, remember those days when you, when you actually passed a joint around amongst a group of people? Ah, that's a real fond memory now that I think about that. And that's what we were doing, passing a joint around. And, and then I think somebody from the hotel came out and ruined our fun because it was illegal back then. So we all broke up and went our separate ways, kind of enjoyed the rest of the night higher than most of the people at the event. And the thing I found interesting about that, that is how we used to spend so much time hiding and, and not being outspoken about our cannabis use uh, or even admitting that we smoked cannabis. And certainly in that environment, in that software world that dealt with healthcare, and and there was a lot of people who I'm sure would still be dead set against it. I actually thought I would see more of them in the store when I did, made the move into the cannabis industry, but I haven't seen a lot. I've only seen one or two. In fact, that one that I referenced, that he and I used to get together and smoke a whole lot, he's the only one who's actually been in the store. So there you go. There's a little bit of uh, remembering about cannabis in the software world instead of back in the radio days. And of course, in the software world, I didn't smoke a lot of dope while I was working, although perhaps it might have happened a time or two, but it's certainly not to the same extent as it did when, when I was in radio. And that pretty well wraps it up for episode 83. If you ever have any comments on anything you hear on the Cannabis Podcast, please send a note to info at CannabisPodcast.com. You'll find the links to everything we talked about always at CannabisPodcast.com. And that's it for episode 83 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season one of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, 
Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.